WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. The Catskill Revitalization Corporation, home of the Delaware and Ulster Railroad, based in Arkville, and the Catskill Scenic Trail for hiking and biking along the old rail bed from Roxbury to Bloomville. The Delaware and Ulster Railroad Tourism Train is scheduled to return this summer for rides in an open car or coach with food and beverage aboard the vintage Silver Rose Dining Car. Dates and details at the Delaware and Ulster Railroad Facebook page or at durr.org. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center in Walton. Open 730 to 230 Tuesday through Saturday for waste disposal and recycling. In service to make a difference by reducing pollution in Delaware County. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center, State Route 10 in Walton, 607-832-5800. Or click the Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center link at WIOXradio.org. Rockland Cider Works, upstate in Gilboa. An agritourism cidery with vacation rentals on a sprawling former dairy farm. Gluten-free hard cider made from 100% New York State apples, New York State produced beer, wine, and spirits, and live music this Friday and Saturday and every Friday and Saturday through October. Rockland Cider Works, upstate on Stryker Road in Gilboa. Details at rocklandciderworks.com. You're listening to WIOX Roxbury, your live and local soundtrack to summer in the Catskills when you explore the towns and villages of Delaware County, Andes, Bovina, Fleischmann's, Margaretville, and Roxbury for local music, art, food, shopping, swimming, hiking, biking, fishing, or whatever your imagination desires. So stay tuned and stick around. Find links to summer events in the Catskills at WIOXradio.org. listening to WIOX Community Radio live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20. 
107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and John. John, how's it going? Things are good, Ryan. What's going on? Um, I don't know. What have you been up to? Me? Uh, a couple walks in the woods. Seeing quite a few bears this week. I don't know why, what's changed, but bears are on the move. Yeah, I don't know, it's getting towards late summer. Yeah, there's some, um, I don't know where he got it from, but there was some bear scat with some apple uh, um, apple in it. And there's some black cherry. Yeah. They're around, um, seems like the apple trees that were higher up, like really high, above 2,000 feet, did a little better, uh, avoiding the frost because their flowers weren't out. That's what I've seen yeah. so far. That makes sense. Oh, this bear was pretty high. I was pretty high up on the mountain. Yeah. But um, every third Wednesday, we have Mr. Mead, Mr. Gary Mead from uh, Fruitful Fur. Well, now no longer Fruitful Furnishings. Well, Gary Mead, Gary, how's it going, Gary? Very well. How are you guys? <clears throat> um, I'm okay. What have you been up to? Uh, <clears throat> building, working. Well, I have, every day I get to touch wood and smell the uh, uh, the aroma of the the shop. You know, I made a couple of signs recently. Working on my building in New Kingston, getting that, uh, you know, little at a time up there. But, you know, I'm just working on, you know, peeling off my inventory and trying to sell that off. And, you know, only be at the gallery and the mill property for the next couple of years. But I'm trying to market it as a artist co-op so that it doesn't become some industrial sawmill down there. But we'll see where that goes. What's wrong with industrial sawmills down there? What the heck? That's where you operated for years. <laughs> well, no, mine was never. You wouldn't call me industrial. <clears throat> Those guys saw. Oh, you yeah, mean real big? I mean real big. I, my, my little sawmill down there, and I would love to see that run full time again. You know, on a good day with four people running it, you, you know, forty-five hundred to six thousand board foot a day, and that's not high velocity. It doesn't make a. Uh, you know, I never had chippers down there and all those big you know grinding machines and you know, i'm kind of you know it would uh, i mean that's what the area has turned into more of a a, a, a retail than than commercial and you know it's a commercial industrial lot so whatever happens happens but you know, i'm trying to market it so we get potters and and metal workers and and all those buildings, you know, when the lumber's out of them, you know, they could move in and and it'd be like the pack attack and round barn market where you just go and kind of hang out and uh, you know, one stop shop. But in the meantime, I'm just selling off my inventory, still working working with wood. And tonight we're talking about willow, which I uh, uh, it's a it's very interesting, and uh, uh, not a lot of people know too much about willow. And, you know, if you sell willow to somebody, they say weeping willow. And <clears throat> weeping willow is probably one of the best, uh, you know, that's the main willow that people know about. that grows on the lawns, and, and uh, I mean, they're very beautiful, and they're, they just cascade down, and... You know, they kind of look like a, uh, uh, I don't know, sprinkler system, basically. Uh, it looks like water coming down. They're, you know, they love water. They're very beautiful. But there's a lot of different willows. 
and there's a lot of different uses for them. And uh, I've I've worked in willow in the past. It's it's a hardwood, and it's a softer hardwood, but it's very residual and it doesn't uh, has a lot of well <clears throat> cross grain strength. So you know when when we figure that out, we take the same size piece of wood, maybe a one by one, and we put it across a certain span, six eight inches apart and we have something pushing pressure in the middle of it <clears throat> and you know when it first starts cracking I mean uh, uh, that's when that's called cross grain strength willow will not uh, and it, with wood you know there's different tests for different moisture contents and uh, when it's green <clears throat> it, it, any wood when it's green or wet Will has bend a, will bend a lot uh, more before it breaks than wood that is dry. So uh, you know there's there's just two different scenarios. Brillo is very uh, uh, weak when it is dry. It becomes uh, uh, not actually weak, but it <clears throat> it'll crack easy and break. And, you know, before the show, we were talking about this old guy, Carl. I think when we talked about Willow a few years ago, I, I mentioned this guy, too. But, you know, in the spring and in the fall, he took his bike around the reservoir. He had a single-speed bike with a basket on each side and a basket up front. And, you know, you would, uh, I mean, when he harvested the, the Willow for the basket weaving, uh We'd see him on his way back home, and I don't even know where his home was. It was somewhere in the Barkaboon. But he he had that, you know, five, six, seven-foot stalks, you know, tied in, uh, with baling twine in his baskets. And, you know, he'd be driving down the road, and, you know, on the his front basket, they were on both sides so he could see through. But he made a lot of baskets and sold them over in Andes. And... Uh, but that's when I first started being interested in Willow and the bendabil bendability of it. And how long ago was that guy around? Uh, this is probably forty years ago now. Jeez. And you know when I kind of, I was a young lad back then, and uh, I, that's when I first started getting into Willow. And and about the same time there was a sawmill down below me. Uh, I didn't have a sawmill at the time, but uh, Dick Fairburn. He had a sawmill, and I went down and, yeah, he was, uh, all the willow he ever, he called it creek, well, black willow is is a, is a uh, the most commercially harvested willow tree. Uh, they didn't harvest uh, weeping willow because, it, I mean, it just, there was no bowl in the log. I mean, it, it went five feet up and the limbs started, so... But the black willows along the stream, they were called, uh, well, some people called them uh, creek popple, uh, creek popple. I've heard all those different names, but, you know, they were the black willow trees. But when they went to the mill, they just made pallet lumber out of them. They didn't do anything, you know, just one and a half by, by four and or three and a half, and then, the, you know, the three-quarter inch boards. <clears throat> well, I went to him one time, and a friend of mine, uh, we're, he, on both sides of the staircase, we put raised panels going up and down. And uh, 
I went over to Dick one day, and he had some, you know, uh, there were some willow logs out there. I said, uh, can you, you know, how much you want? I, I want to, you know, get about a 1,000 feet of that. And uh, we're doing these two walls, and I explained to him, I said, I need, you know, about half and half of five-quarter and four-quarter. And he said, will you give me a hundred dollars a thousand? And I said, ten cents a board foot? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. I said, I think we can afford this wall. So I bought it and we dried it for about a year. I didn't have a kiln at the time, but we dried it and we worked it and it was, it was different. It was, you know, a little twisty and a little irritable to try to, you know, but it did bend into place. <clears throat> and we never kiln dried it, but the wall come out beautiful. And he just, uh, he put a, a coat of golden oak stain on it, and we clear coated it on top of it. And it looked just like an oak wall. It was, because uh, willow, <clears throat> the grain of willow is very, it's not open like like a, a oak but it has when you put a stain on it all the uh, the grain will, uh, you know it pops out on it and you know it, it looked just like red oak mm. uh, when we got done it was it actually turned out beautiful but we had to discard probably <clears throat> a third of it that was so twisted that we couldn't use it and uh you know but you know back in, you know 40 years ago 35 years ago you know 100 dollars was a lot more money than it is today <clears throat> and you know it, it, but but it was affordable for what we were doing so uh we uh we we did that and that was a that was probably the biggest job i ever did out of willow <clears throat> and but <clears throat> we have them i like them along uh stream beds and 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 like that they they kind of they keep the water cool you know for the trout and they also they don't wash away easy it's like the sycamores along the you know out in the Schoharie valley i mean uh, when irene and and those those big floods go through uh, the only things left standing afterwards are you know there's a, a few black locusts and i don't i i never seen too many uh, uh sycamores that uh i mean if they get uprooted it moves them down the stream and they sit there and they grow you know the big root ball on the, <laughs> the middle of the stream but the, they have they're deep rooted and they do hold banks together <clears throat> and i know the dec and a lot of the well, waterways that they're they're fixing or messing up one or the other but they put a lot of uh, uh willow trees along the edge of the water to to you know keep the banks from washing out and uh you know there's some uh <clears throat> some creek poplar black willows that grow right along margaretville the stream there there's oh, a yeah. big one by the school that's ready to take a dive into the water but one of our members owns uh streamfront property near margaretville and um uh, he's pretty you know he's an older guy and uh he says some of these agencies are starting to complain about black willow, but he likes to defend black willow because it, it did its job. You know, he's like, well, it's been there for 80 years or plus. And, um, yeah, they're coming down now, but they're old. So I, I, he claims a lot of them were planted as riparian trees even that long ago. To, to hold the river. And they did their job, and, yeah. and a lot of them are falling down now, but they're old. But, so. you know, this one by the school... 
I bet for 25 years. Every year, I think it's not going to last. This, you know, this spring is going to definitely go. And I mean, the thing just hoovering over the water now. But the biggest yeah. thing I don't understand about that is why they would let it fall into the river and you know clog up at the bridge and you know just cut the damn thing and pull it out across the stream and you know do something with it besides let it become a, a you know. Head, heading into the reservoir, which that really doesn't do anybody any good. But you know, uh, that's just one whole other story for another day. But <clears throat> willow is—I mean, if they cut it and brought the bowl to me, I would definitely saw it. You saw it green; it has to be—you can't throw it in the kiln right away. I—I uh, I did have a couple willow logs maybe 20 years ago that that come in with some low grade. And I sawed them uh, right away. They went in the kiln with my regular stuff, and <clears throat> I couldn't even use them when they come out. They were so twisted and warped. And, and uh, so I had uh, maybe a couple of years later, uh, I don't know if it's the same uh, area that I got the logs from, but I had a few more come in. I, I sawed them, and I put them in cold storage for a year. Then I dried them, and, and they... They come out beautiful. It's got kind. Of, it's a very white, plain green, and but it's very strong, very rigid, rigid, rigid. Uh, it resists the uh, uh, rot quite a bit when it's outside. So it's well, it does, huh? Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised too. It's it's a it's it's not a real. Uh, uh, well, I don't think it, it's not definitely not going to last like white oak or black locust outdoors. But, mm. you know, if you want to, if you're putting a dam, you know, and you're damming up a, a, a little stream or something, want to have a little fish pond and throw willow in there, I mean, it pretty much lasts forever as long as it stays wet. It's, uh, it's kind of like hemlock in that way. If it, I mean, you could do the same thing with hemlock. You could make a dam out of it. <clears throat> what, what makes hemlock rot is drying wet dry wet and what it does it it wears out the uh the 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 genes or uh, of the or not the genes but the the cells of the tree they explode and then they shrink and explode and and, and that's kind of what wears it out a lot of old barns you know probably you know a foot up for where the water runs off the roof the hemlock will be rotted off but the rest of the barn, hard like oak. And, you know, it, it just sun doesn't bother it. The rain doesn't bother it. But it's that constant, you know, when it, yeah. it, it you know, right next to the ground, it, it seems to take a, a, a hit. But, you know, I, we did make a dam out of, uh, when I was on the farm, we took some willow and we, uh, we strung that across the river and, and made a dam out of that. And, I mean, those logs lasted for the whole childhood while I was being raised on the farm. So, and, you know, they never rotted. What we did is we built a dam, and then in the fall, we had one section on each side. Uh, well, you can't even do that in the river anymore. I mean, what we used to do in the river was it didn't hurt the river at all. We had the best fishing ever up there. But, you know, you take a tractor, any kind of bucket in the stream now, it's a it's a federal crime. Yeah, state. And, uh, but the state gets involved, Gary. If you're just tuning in, 
You're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Tonight's topic is Willow with Gary Mead.
All right, we're back. This is uh, From the Forest, every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic since 2010, believe it or not. Wow. This is, uh, we're coming up on 700 shows. Wow, I've been here since 2012. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a good spot to be in. It's, it's something we've been doing um, every third Wednesday, though. Yep. We talked to Mr. Mead, Mr. Gary Mead, uh, from Gary Mead Gallery. Tonight we're talking about willow. I don't know how you, you use this tree for wood. It's amazing because no one thinks to use it for wood, Gary, but if there's someone that will, It'll it will be, be you. Yes. I use bark. I mean, I have a table in the gallery that's uh, called Hickory and Higher Power, and it's made from hickory, and the base of this table, the vertical pedestal, <clears throat> is the bark of a hickory tree, and... You know, when people come through the gallery, I have a sample there that's not attached to the table, and I show it to them. And uh, it's it's super, super strong, and it's light. It's just what every, you know, furniture maker would want. And, and uh, you know, because you don't want to make something super heavy and, and bulky. It, it needs to be lightweight and strong. And uh, willow is the same way. It's a, it's a bendable, pliable and uh it's a beautiful wood and I, I because i have never had a a woodworking class i took shop in high school basically but since i haven't been <clears throat> trained specifically to do anything i challenge everything so that makes me uh i think a uh uh more uh a wider range of what I can do with stuff because I'll see something and I'll go, you know, it was like with the hickory bark. I just said, Jesus, because I've tried all different kinds of bark. I'm siding my house with uh, with tulip bark, and you know, I was actually uh, the story behind the hickory bark was actually inspired by Paul Crickon, a local logger, and he was up in Wolf Hollow, and I mean, that led to a whole. Uh, a bunch of events uh, when uh, Mike Kudish found out that this hickory pig nut hickory came out of Wolf Hollow. He went up there immediately to investigate. <clears throat> found out that that you know it was you know Indians lived on the mountain, and you know whatever he found out was uh, he was so excited when you know he found this out. <clears throat> but Paul called me, and I was harvesting tulip bark and i got this hickory whatever and i went up and i said well i'm not looking for hickory bark <clears throat> but i said i'll take some because i've never had it and uh i was totally blown away with the the integrity of this bark it's 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 you can't use uh i mean for siding <clears throat> the uh the tulip bark will last 60 to 80 years outdoors untreated so if it's treated i said uh, you know about last vinyl it's a natural wood product and <clears throat> but the hickory that the bark won't last outdoors but for indoor furniture but you can't break it i mean it when i put it in the kiln i tried to make cylinders out of it because i was going to use it for table bases and i ended up using it for table bases anyway but what it did is it rolls up like a rolled gold pretzel if you looked at the end of a rolled gold pretzel that's what it did and those three tight circles <clears throat> made a super strong piece of uh you know bark for uh 
I mean, there's hickory bark furniture, but it has wood inside of it. And, and, uh, but the willow bark, that doesn't last. But the wood is flexible and, and, you know, that, but with my art, I, I challenge everything. I hollow stuff out and, you know, if it doesn't work, it's, it's an experiment. And, uh, but I find out most stuff that I think of, probably 90% of all the ideas I get, holy smoke, it works. And uh, it, it, it just amazes me. And because I haven't, you know, been trained specifically in any one aspect or another, you know, my mind just goes in every direction. And uh, I'm finding out things about trees and wood that nobody really knew before. Yeah, well, sometimes our training can confine us. It does, and it restricts your... You know, you you know I haven't been held, held back by education. <laughs> so, <laughs> You heard it here, folks. <laughs> That's the only place you you're ever going to hear it, though. But, yeah. you know, I'm not discounting education because, you know, I all my sons, I put them through college and they got a master's in their de desired degree. But, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a different ball of wax, man. You know, I was, I was, uh, that's why I'm such a, I'm so inspired by being a part of this Casco Forest Association because, you know, you guys all went to school and you learned the nat Latin names of trees and, and all this stuff that is scientific and, and, and whatever. I don't, it's not that I don't have a clue, I just never learned that part of it, but I know things that you weren't taught in school. So it, it actually expands, you know, your knowledge as well as, as mine. And, uh, you know, I, if you told me the Latin name of the tree, I wouldn't remember it, you know, next week. So uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's really not that important to me. What's important yeah. to me is the longevity of wood. And, I mean, if, if uh, there, there have been some big willow trees that, I mean, some of these weeping willows uh, by people's houses. And that's one thing. You don't want a weeping willow within 100, 150 feet of your house because it will <clears throat> destroy your foundation. It will destroy your septic. And the roots are just, uh, they're, they're like ice. I mean, they, they get into little cracks and crevices. And as they grow, I mean... They can break cast iron. They can they can break cement, and it's it's you know when they grow they they could lift your house up. They'll they ruin your foundation. Yeah, I don't really think many trees should be in your house. No, I don't think I wouldn't. They I don't, don't belong there. You know the footing drains and everything. <clears throat> they get all messed up by roots. And well, it's when I put my house. You know, I'm building a, actually my workshop, and and I'm going to live upstairs temporarily at thirty by forty four Gambrella building. But I put that in. Uh, uh, I I don't I don't like gutters. They're in the mountains here. Well, what do you got against gutters? They're right? hard to maintain. They get full of pollen. They get yeah. If you got trees, they well no. Even if you don't have, I mean, if trees are two hundred feet from your house, your gutters going to get full of pollen. No way, Gary. But anyway, Gary, you don't have gutters. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> no, I ha I had gutters and I removed them. But I, anyway, I, what I did when 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 you know. 
a lot of buildings now, I put an underground gutter in. It's yeah. a lot more expensive than buying those aluminum gutters with the screens and climbing up a ladder and, you know, cleaning them five, six times a year and blah, blah, whatever. But, you know, this is an underground system. All the water that runs off the roof goes through a drain and pipes and it goes to one and it's underground gutter and it, it, you don't ever have to clean them and maintain them and it's forever and, and everything that comes off your roof gets funneled into this one pipe and goes out of sluice and you know runs away from your house john you've been dealing with water issues what do you think about that i've got it all I got gutters. I've got perimeter drains. I've got footing drains. Yeah, are you talking about footing drains, Gary? I don't understand what you're saying. Got no. French drains. No, we put well, we dug a, a <laughs> we put two of them in. The one up on the upper type of the top of the hill. You know, you put your you dig down, and the ones on the slope. The other ones, you know, just kind of level around the foundation. It's it's just a but you know you put uh, you dig down about six feet. You put your your uh, drain in and then uh, you know just below the foundation then you put about two and a half three foot of crushed stone and then you put gravel and then your topsoil goes on top of that so any water that comes off the house it doesn't lay there and it won't sit there and on the upper side when we were doing the house uh, Paul we had a little bleeder coming out of the bank and you know, Paul Kirkon, he was doing the activate, and he said, let's put one more on the upper side. And, you know, he started at zero, and at the end of it, it was about six and a half feet deep. But that goes down dif different part. And, I mean, there's constantly water drizzling out of that. And it just, you know, uh, you know, trees and around your house, are they're really not a good idea. They, they I mean, people think that they're good for shade, but... You're, they're really not, and uh, if you want to keep your house cool, put a, you know, don't put a dark roof on your house. You know, I mean, you could put them 60 feet away, depending on the right. species, yep. and get that shade. It's just... But anything, you know, closer, maybe you want to just grow a peach tree or, you know, a, 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 you know, some kind of fruit. Or, you know, put your berry bushes by your house, you know, your black... And that's another thing I wanted to touch on tonight. If you guys... Or into blackberry picking it's peak of the season get your asses out there and pick blackberries because they are amazing <laughs> they are amazing yeah. this year the water and the the, the weather has been perfect and you know my target was 20 quarts i got 19 and a half already i'm going tomorrow and friday and i'll be i'll have my 25 quart uh, uh of blackberries this year and uh but they're plump and they're they're delicious and they're beautiful this year. And the past years they, you know, without, uh, I mean, that's what rain is good and bad and you know it's with every part of nature. You know, some things flourish in it and some things don't do so good. And you know, certain vegetables in the garden didn't do for crap this year because it's been too wet. And you know, snails it's are been cold too for summer. Cool, yes, yeah, you know, but. You know, my tomatoes didn't do for stuff, you know, and my, I don't know why my... What's up, what's up with you people and tomatoes, man? <clears throat> why? 
You so you know, just like the amount of time you guys put in these tomatoes. I hate tomatoes. Well, it's just it's like looking at a foreign species. There's a bunch of people <laughs> shaking their heads listening to this show right now. Yeah. I love my tomatoes. Well, I make I, tomato sauce and I put I it. I feel like every year people complain about their tomatoes. But you know what? No, I. But don't. then I complain about my apple trees. So there you, you go. Don't like the taste of tomatoes? Is that it? No. You're comparing like a fresh. Fine ripened tomato or a store tomato? Oh, here we go. Well, I'm telling you, Brian never grew a tomato in his life, so he's he's only tasted the crap. I've tasted tasted your garden tomatoes. You can have them. Okay, I'll keep them anyway. Well, there's so many different varieties of tomatoes, and they all have their own taste. But I usually make sauce. I had a bumper crop of tomatoes last year. I don't really need them this year. I didn't spend the time I should have with them and, you know, whatever. But they, they didn't do very good. My cucumbers, uh, they're awesome. I had a lot of cucumbers, and and uh, uh, my cabbage did good, Brussels sprouts and corn. But, you know, Ryan, he doesn't grow a garden, so. No. He, but I'm. Uh, I kill animals. I've been growing a garden since. <laughs> Shit, I was walking, you know. That's what we did on the farm. We grew our own food, and and, uh, we had a big garden out there. That was part of my daily chores in the summer was to go out and weed. Hated it. The gardening is calorie deficient, Gary. All right? I'm just saying that. There's no way you're getting... You're you're in the positive on that. I don't buy it for a second. Really? No. No. So, uh... I, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but, you know, all I know is uh, they food that you buy in the store is full of chemicals. My food has no chemicals in it. It's all grown. I know what's in it. And, you know, uh, for health reasons, you know, I it's, it's easier and cheaper to go to the store and buy food. You know, but... It's it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy to grow your own food, but I don't use pesticides. You know, I'll lose a crop before I'll put seven dust or any kind of you know bug killer on my stuff. I catch them by hand. I I I get snails drunk on beer. Snails love beer, and they're and the and the the, the this kind of wet weather. One of our worst uh, enemies in the garden is snails because yeah. they. They don't. They like tomatoes. They like cabbage. They like Brussels sprouts. They like everything, yeah. and they love beer. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, my my uh, irrationalism with growing stuff is just as bad with fruit. Fruit's terrible to grow. It's just. It's, it's hard. It's hard. It's uh, apples are a mixed bag. Um, some want to grow. Some most want to die. Everything wants to kill it. So I mean, I'm right there. Just as irrational as what I'm trying to say with right. growing apples as tomatoes. Yeah. Tomatoes, I feel like they just don't want to really, you know, the weather's, a lot of times it's just wet and they don't want to grow. Yeah. Well, Well, you have to keep tomatoes off the ground. And, yeah, I tried different things. I tried growing them in baskets this year, and uh, they don't work good in baskets. I've tried boxes of growing vegetables. They don't grow as good in boxes as being right in the ground. So, uh, but let's go back to willow. Well, let's take a break for a second. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Tonight's topic is Willow with Gary Mead.
All right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's Ryan and John. We Every third Wednesday, we have Mr. Mead and Mr. Gary Mead talking about a different Catskills tree. And tonight, it is Willow. Do you know that Willow uh, used to be the um, the substance that aspirin was made from? So There's a... How about that? There's, a, there's something in it that's kind of... It's called salicylic acid. Right. And uh, they they don't use that specifically. It was it's used as a pain reliever. But I did some research on that, and uh, you know, every time we ever every time we ever did Willow, I always made a comment that you know that's what they got. You know, the that acid, whatever it came from, the Willow bark. But it they don't actually get the uh, that's not an aspirin. <clears throat> It's a substance that they take out of the bark that they add to whatever is. That's what I'm saying. Salicylic acid, right? Is what supposedly is taken out of the bark. But the Indians and and the pioneers, they used it. uh, I mean, they go out to if they got a burn, they go out to a willow tree and they peel the the bark off and they put it, you know, wrap it and tie it onto the burn and you know, thing would be healed up in, in a day or two later and. You know, for bug bites and, you know, small cuts and stuff like that. And it was a pain reliever. And, you know, for, you know, bad teeth and stuff, they used to chew on it. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, but there is, it does have pain relieving uh, uh, substance in it. And, uh, but the bark of a willow is, uh, I mean, that's uh, probably the, it's in the cambrium of the bark and not actually, I don't think, in the bark. I don't know where it is, but yep. I'm sure it has to be extracted and, you know, maybe yep. distilled. I have no idea, but it has to be concentrated quite a bit. Yeah. I don't know make. if they dry it or distill it yeah. or, or what they do to get it out of it. I but. guess now it's made uh, synth- uh, synthetically. Yeah. But, yeah, aspirin's an anti-inflammatory pain reliever. Yeah, we all need that from time to time. There's... What ninety different? It's also in other species. I mean, it's in black birch, in uh, the twigs. Yeah, uh, I think it's methyl salicylate. Maybe that's different. I don't know. John, well, do you know? Well, I always, a pharmacist, John. No, huh. I I always said if we studied our trees, we'd be eating more of them. So, I mean, there's a lot about trees that are they're healthy for you, and you know, it, uh, there's. There's so much stuff that grows out there on the landscape that you don't have to plant and keep the bugs off. And there's actually, if you investigate plants, they're they're amazing. The, nature provides everything for us, but it's uh, you know, I think people just got uh, uneducated and you know maybe a little bit lazy. And if you went out and you forage in the forest, uh, you could forage enough uh, healthy food but you got to know what you're doing and it isn't you know it's something that you know the pioneers and the indians knew because you know they needed it for their health benefits but you know now it's everything so commercialized that and, you know everybody what do you, what do you mean when you say commercialized well everything is uh you know everybody depends on somebody else to do stuff for them. well yeah but it's, for certain uh, things Right. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there. I, am I saying there's something wrong with it? I'm just saying we lost our direction it's, a little it's bit. Specialization of labor. Maybe more people should 
But pain. you would starve if you had to survive in these Catskill Mountains. They did that show alone. I know a lot of you guys probably watch alone. I and I it. think about it in the Catskills. Yep. You know what I would do if I had to survive in these mountains and there was no one around? You'd start burning right away to make it edible. But it you, it would be hard to make a, to really forage. There are, there are very few deer when it comes down to it. Yeah. Um, edibles, not, not as many fruits and nuts as people think, especially when you're on the ground. You have no way to access the tree. Right. That becomes difficult. Well, I'm not talking about, you know, no electric and no bathroom and no hot water. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, all that's, uh, to me, is, is, is very necessary, but, you know... As far as foraging for nourishment and food, it's all out there, and it's like in the willows. And but if you investigate trees, they're they're pretty much edible certain times of the year, and they're very good. And you know the the, the you know the bees, the honey that you get from them has a lot of different uh, you know antibodies, and uh, you know uh, it's just. But it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. To forge that stuff, and that's why people really don't do it. But the the if we could ease up the tension of of uh, you know commercialized farming, that is, it's so hard to feed all these people on the planet. And you know, I saw this back in high school when you know we were looking at you know in the twenties, you know the twenty twenties how many people are going to be on the planet, how the heck are we going to feed them all? And that's when scientists started coming up with all these pesticides and, and pesticides to kill bugs to keep them off our plants so we had something to eat. Yeah, the other way to look at it is, a lot of people disagree with this, the reason why we have a lot of quote-unquote wild spaces today is because we farm on so much less land. Right. Yep. And Farms were just not as efficient. 40 years ago as they are today right and that's not just due to scientists that's that's probably due to farmers innovating themselves that, you know, when i used to live with a, a farmer in, in school that guy was buying semen <laughs> from bulls 24 7 to breed his uh his herd yeah he was an innovative young guy man yeah. i will give it to him while i was like doing my calculus or whatever and he was thinking about his business back home and how to make uh his herd that much better that is that's revolutionary oh i know my dad he was an artificial inseminator oh really we just call him a breeder but he went to uh uh you know to college and learned how to do it and you know he said uh these bulls i mean they genetically you know they they make good milking cows and you know it, it's a it's a science, but there's no chemicals involved in that. Not like we're growing our food. I mean, in the feed and everything. I don't know. That's a very complicated subject yeah. to get into. But that's but, another topic. But, but you know, he he went into that too. I learned a lot from him. But but we but had we're running out of time. Did you have a poem yet on the read, Gary? A what? A poem? Did you say? Oh yeah, I do. We got about five minutes left. All right. Well, I'll read this quick. And uh, this one's called Plants Divine. I wrote this 8-12-2003 at 9 in the morning. I was going out to garden that morning. I grow a garden for my food, 
no evil chemicals being used. March to November's growing season, preparing food for long cold winter. Learning to share with hungry pests. When they get too greedy, they have to go. I walk amongst my plants with nets, flicking in a bucket of water to their death. Because if they do too much damage, the whole crop will quickly vanish. Snails, I get them drunk on beer. Every plant has its own pest fears. And in order to do it right, make gardening a way of life. Deep in our genes, our DNA seems to have gotten lost along the way. Plants growing wild outside gardens and forest fields, mountains and streams. Every plant has its own season. Become to know them one at a time. Pay close attention to their powers divine. Healing, nourishing your very being. Nature provides health care for you and I. Preserving harvest, another hurdle. Drying, canning, freezing for later use. Another skill one needs to know clear. To have enough food to last a year. Sorry to say most food nowadays full of chemicals and not good for you. High rate of human diseases currently is all the proof I need of this. And knowing what's in your food, a great concern for us all to learn. Veggies, fruits, berries, mushrooms, flowers, gardening and preserving takes a lot of time. Time well spent will come back to you as you are reaching the end of the line. You will be glad that you took that time to learn health care from plants divine. And uh, that's my poem for tonight. And I do have enough food in my house for a year constantly. And I, I, I pick a year ahead and I grow a year ahead. And, and uh, the apples are this year on their second year of not doing so well. And... So I'm a little bit nervous about that, but you know, I have a you know a surplus of apple cider vinegar and and uh, apple juice that I can get through another year. But there's enough. There's a few trees out there I seen loaded this year, so I'm I'm excited about that. I just have to get permission to harvest them. But there are some that are that are doing fine, and uh, so when it comes to willow. If, uh, you know, anybody wants to come to the, the gallery and, and, and uh, check out some of the, the woodworking art that I do and, and any questions about any kind of tree or willow or anything else, I'm always happy to, uh, to have you come by. Or, and if I'm uh, unable to answer your question, these Catskill Forest guys, I mean, they're they're growing and they're strong and they're residual and you know it's just a beautiful organization that's actually helping our economy and our woods stay healthy and viable it's very important to know how to five acres or 500 acres i mean it's all very important and so you know if you're not a member become a member and if you are a member stay a member and you know, take advantage of these guys because they're out there to help us. And I've learned an enormous amount from them since I've known them. And 
you know, I, I continue to, uh, you know, to uh, uh, keep going and, and uh, uh, supporting them and, and promoting them. And, uh, but I'm, I'm open by appointment, and if you want to go to my website, gary-mead.com, uh, make an appointment, and I'll walk you through the gallery. If the signs are out by Route 28, I'm open, but I might not be there. You're more than welcome to come by. And uh, I guess that's our show for yeah, tonight. Yeah, we're all out of time. Thanks for coming on again, Gary. Peace, everybody, and have a good month. I'll see you next month. All right. Have a good night. Good night. Oh, the neon lights were flashing and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. Then the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street. his friend and the old man stumbled in from the forest up a dark and dingy staircase the old man made his way his ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay and he wondered how it happened that he'd ended up this way supported by you and the following underwriters. Andy's Guitar Repair in Margaretville, specializing in fretted instruments, structural repairs, setups, fretwork, electronics.